There we go. Is it okay? I got. I got to be honest with you. I keep messing it up. Prince OC, OC Presence. What do you want to call it? Presence Church. Presence Church. Come on. Come on. Well, I'll tell you this. Presence Church has the presence in their church. My goodness, you all are insane. This is so. This is so good. I I know I speak for our team too, but I'm just like, my goodness. I feel so at home here because we walk in and Jesus was here long before we got here. And we're like, oh, man, I just want to honor your pastors real quick and, and your team that, like, runs it. You guys are so amazing. Seriously and honestly, even the worship team, Sean, you know, Jimmy, the band, everybody, like, you can't make that stuff up. And I'm not going to lie, you could play all the same chords, sing the same melodies but if your heart's not in it, it looks a lot different. But what happened today and what is happening today is, a, is something you guys have stewarded. So I just want to celebrate you guys as a worship team. Give them a hand too. <laughs> and I don't know, Sean, if you can help me out later. If not, maybe somebody on the keys. I'm going to need a little bit of help later. But I'll let you know. <laughs> if not, so just somebody. That's good. But you guys Okay. Man, I'm, I'm stoked today. Like I said, my name's Solomon, and I'm, I'm really honored to get to be here. I am a pastor at Bethel Church. I, I do a lot of outreach stuff for the school there. And uh, we got a team of 30 that's down here, uh, I don't know, loving Jesus, preaching the gospel, encouraging people. I don't know. That's what we're doing. Um, we got about 20 of them in the room tonight. Some of them are in Santa Barbara. You guys know, like, Veronica Springs and those people up there? Uh, it's Okay, you guys know Jesus Burgers? Yeah, like their neighbors, the neighbors. Okay, yeah, so there's some stuff with them right now. They're having a worship glory night right there. But, man, I'm excited for what God's doing in the room today. Can you just put out your hands real quick? And I'm going to have you you declare something with me. But I want you to say, Jesus, get me good. Jesus, I need what we're about to talk about. Jesus, I need, I need this word. Amen. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit about me, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little bit, something that's been on my heart. It could not have flowed better. That's how the Holy Spirit works with everything that the worship team was doing and everything that God was doing there. That was just, this is so him. But I'll tell you this. Um, I, I come from a really big family. I have 10 siblings, which is a lot of kids. My parents were really bored. I'm just kidding. Um, but... Um, no, they're awesome. My parents are pastors. Um, they're really good. I was really, uh, it's just a real honor to get to grow up in the family that I did. I will never, ever love anybody as much as I do my family. I have six brothers, four sisters, and they are the most fun and wonderful people in my life. And um, speaking of the most fun and wonderful people, uh, I got engaged recently. So the the... I'm getting married in like two months, so how many of you need that testimony? You're like, that's a word for me. I already, I got, yeah, you're like, I got what I came for. I got the, I got the marriage word. And if you think they're in this room, I want you to go to them right now. No, I'm just kidding. No, don't do that. I'm just teasing. I'm just kidding, but I'm, I'm pretty excited. And uh, I'm, I'm going to share a piece of my story. So I, I'm from Seattle, Washington. I've been in Reading for about seven years. Yeah, Seattle, woo! And I, I love, I love the Pacific Northwest. Um, and 
in, in that kind of area, we, we have a lot of rain, so anytime I'm anywhere in California, it is the best place ever for me because I love the sun, and, and in my area of Washington, we probably have like eight, nine months of rain out of the year, which to you guys is like the devil. You're just like, no, we hate that, and I'm with you, but, um, but I'm from Washington. Um, the, the, the really short version is this. Um, I grew up in an incredible family, but it was an imperfect family, and I had quite a few moments that brought a lot of pain. I had a, a few people around me that were really close to me when I was 11 years old um, die, and that really started a really downward spiral for my life. And in that place, uh, I turned to pornography. I had a lot of mirrors. There was a lot of panic attacks, this whole, like, crazy thing. Um, I know I'm going so fast for you, but I'm just trying to share a little piece of who I am. And... In that place, it was just crazy, painful, but I was so good at showing up to church and smiling. My dad's the pastor. I'm just like, I walk in like this. Everybody thought I was really happy. I worked hard. I knew exactly how to give people exactly what they wanted to see. And when I was 17 years old, I encountered the love of Jesus. And the presence of God wrecks me. I remember being in a spot in my house, and I feel the presence of God coming in. I'm literally watching pornography in the moment. I feel the presence of God coming in. Somebody say, uncomfortable. That's weird. I was just like, uh-oh, I don't know what's happening now. And I feel the Lord speak to me. He says, Solomon, do you see yourself? And I'm thinking, yeah. And I instantly my head drops. I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling like disgust, even in myself. And I actually believe it was the grace of the Lord that I felt that for a half a second. And I feel that. And then he says, Solomon, you don't get it. I love you and I'm proud of you. And when he said I'm proud of you, I just began weeping. I feel the presence of God all over my body. And I am confused to say the least. How can I be loved? And how God, how can you be proud of me when I'm in such a deep and low place? I, couldn't, I didn't understand it. I run to my bedroom. I'm there and I'm just like, am I crazy? Like what is going on? And for about three weeks straight, I encounter the presence of God in my, in my bedroom every day. And he keeps speaking to me who I am, and he keeps speaking identity into me. And I'm like, I don't even get it, but all I know is three weeks later, out of my journey of starting to walk in intimacy with the Lord, because I had heard a whole lot about Jesus, and this is where my relationship with him really started. So it's three weeks later, I'm laying on my bed. This is my born-again moment. I'm laying on my bed, and you guys know that song, Death, Where Is Your Sting? Grave, Where Is Your Victory? It's a Bible verse, fun fact. Um, I'm singing that song laying on my bed, and I started laughing, freaking out. And I started thinking, in the last three weeks, all of my pornography, all the lust, all the panic attacks, all the nightmares, all the addiction, all the self-hatred, I was like, it's gone. It is completely gone from my life. And I'm like, I just, could, I just couldn't comprehend it. I was like, what did I do? I did nothing. All I did was start giving my heart to you, spending time with you, and you just did the work. And that's what's going to happen today. Uh, you know, God's going to do the work, and we just get to receive, we get to believe, we get to enter into the finished work of what Jesus has done on the cross. The reality is, is that Jesus did so much more than you, than you could have ever done, and he did it so that you could receive it as a gift. Righteousness is a, is a gift, and gifts you can't earn. You know, nobody at Christmas is like, I worked really hard to get all these gifts. You, got, you get a gift of righteousness that you get, to, you get to work from, and this is how you start every day forevermore. You wake up in the morning, you say, wow, I'm clean, I'm holy, and I'm connected to you. This is how we get to start every day. Amen? That's not what I'm talking about, but I just wanted to share that. Man, this is so funny. I, 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 want, I want you to kind of picture this. I've never done this part of the message before, so you should feel nervous, because I do. Um, um, but 
I want you to imagine yourself. I'm, I'm going to be, like I said, in a couple months. But I want to imagine right now, if you are not married, I want you to imagine that you got a spouse. And I want, yeah, oh, come on. There you go. Somebody's excited. But I want, I want you to imagine... I want you to imagine that you had a spouse. They were really incredible. But I want, I want to, you to imagine that, let's say, a couple months ago, your spouse lost someone that was really dear to them, and that, which is always a huge tragedy. And in that place, you wanted to comfort them. So let's just imagine you, you were trying to find ways to love them, and your spouse loved music, so you picked up an instrument. And you decided, I'm going to learn to play, let's say, guitar. I learned to play guitar, and you played for your spouse every single night. You decided, I'm going to play this guitar so well, and you were terrible for months. But for your spouse, it didn't matter. They were like, gosh, it was, it was, like, it was like David and Saul. It was ministry to them. It was, it was a safe place for them. And you even learned to sing. You learned to, you learned to sing, and you realized over time you were getting pretty good. And your, your spouse was like, you are so attractive every time you sing. They, they just loved that about you. They were like, man, you're absolutely beautiful. And in that place, you started to realize, man, I could make a career out of this. Man, I could... I'm, I'm actually pretty good. And she was like, yeah. Or your spouse. <laughs> your spouse was like, yeah, you actually, you have this. You could do this. You started making music. You started getting famous. And pretty soon, you started making money and you started making more albums. And it, it actually kind of consumed you for a while. And it became the thing that you made your whole life about. Crazy, right? This would be weird. Don't do that. <laughs> this little story was just something I was thinking about yesterday, but it was, it was a real a realization for me that I'm like, man, it's actually possible for us to do something that we begin to do for love and it eventually consumes us and we start to do it for something else other than love. And I feel like even today, this is part of what I want to talk about is part of our walk with the Lord, part of our relational beauty, the, the beauty of our relationship with Jesus is that we, we get to walk in this like love covenant that he said, I will never leave you. And, our, and we repeat right back, Jesus, I will never leave you. Gosh, and even if I do, come grab me quick. But I feel, like the Lord is, I feel like the Lord is telling us today, man, I want to bring you back, just like we were praying earlier, I want to bring you back to that place of love. And I feel like for some of us, and I felt this kind of word even for the body of Christ lately, that there's this a bringing back, a reminding, a reawakening of that first love that you had, that God wants you to begin to, to be the person, to, to do the things that you once did for love that became about something else. You okay? You guys okay? And uh, I'm going to read a quick story, but I, I just want to pray this real quick. Close your eyes real quick. Jesus, I ask today, I ask that you would release a fresh love today, a fresh love encounter, just as we sang in worship so many times, that we would sit in the place at your feet right before you, God, and that everything would be about you and everything would become about you and that we would, that we would never allow that it be. We just want you and nothing else. God, I pray for that love encounter for us today. And God, I pray that it would be the core of who we are, the core of where we live, the core of where we move. It would be everything to us. Amen. I'm going to read you a quick story. Can you guys turn to First Samuel with me? Or 1 Samuel, depending on where you are from. 1 Samuel, we're going to go to chapter 15. I'm going to read a, um, I'm going to try to keep it short, but we got a, a good portion of scripture. You guys like your Bibles? That's awesome. So we're going to read quite a few verses. We're going to start in verse 1. It is a good passage. 1 Samuel 15. Give me a wave if you're ready. There you go. And it... it Give me a wave if you need a second. 
Okay, looks like we're good. All right. 1 Samuel 15, verse 1, it says, And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. And now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and vote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill them, both man, woman, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. So Saul summoned the people, this is verse 4, and numbered them 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek. And lay wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, go depart, go down among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul defeated all the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur. Now we're going to jump to verse uh, 10. It says, and the word of the Lord came to Samuel, to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. We're going to read a little bit more in just a second. I'm just going to give you a little bit of context for what's happening. So this passage, the Lord speaks to Samuel and tells Samuel to tell Saul. He says, hey, you're going to go into this battle. You're going to fight, and I want you to kill everything. Now, this, somebody say Old Testament. <laughs> We do not go around killing people for Jesus anymore. That is not a thing. We just slay them in the spirit or something. I don't know. You pray for them. You get them with the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you, so at this time, God is actually speaking a word, and he says, I want you to go there, and I want you to destroy everything and everyone. And Saul goes, okay, but he gets there, and he actually spares quite a few people. It's, it's a little bit of a longer passage, so I'm going to try to skip through some of it. But he actually spares quite a few people. And in that place, Saul actually thinks that he's doing it for God. He actually is like, oh, I'm actually going to, I'm going to save some of the sheep. I'm going to save some of the donkeys. I'm going to save their king. And it's actually going to be for the Lord. And I want, I want you to hear what Samuel has to say about that. This is in verse 16, okay? It says, then Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, you are not the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep, and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice the Lord your God. Jump down to verse 24. Saul, oh, wait, no. Yeah, verse 24. And it says, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Somebody say this. Say, protect the affection of your heart. Protect the affection of your heart. That's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit today. We're not going to talk super long because I know we don't have a long time. But I, I know Jesse said we could go till 7 tonight. So I'll probably preach right up until 7. Yeah, so maybe, maybe 8. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I'm, just, I'm just playing. But I want to talk about protecting the affection of your heart. Saul in this story is, I think... It's a really incredible story because if, if you, you know, rewind like about five chapters, Saul is getting anointed king. 
and Israel is demanding a king and actually grieves the heart of God. But when but he says, you know what, I'm actually going to give them a king. And he tells Samuel to anoint Saul. Saul is the anointed person from God. And actually, if, you're, if you remember the story, God reaches out and touches Saul in such a powerful way that it says he was changed into another man. He gets such a powerful encounter that it says he's actually a completely different person now. And so he's a, a new anointed king. He's going around. He's kicking butt. He is slaying armies, doing exactly what God had called him to do. But when it came to this battle, something shifted, something changed. And when it, when it came down to the line, instead of Saul choosing to honor the Lord, he chooses to honor people. He lost the affection in his heart for God, and he found a new lover. He found, he, he actually found, he found the affection of people to be more gratifying than the affection of Jesus. And in that place, he actually loses. And God says this crazy thing, which to me, if you're a Christian and I read this, I'm just like, ooh, scary a little bit. That, 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 that feels intense to me. He says, God goes, I wish I had never made him king. And five chapters ago, he's anointing him to be king. And years later, Saul's in this moment and God says, I regret that. That's intense, right? Man, for me, I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know what you're doing in my life, but I do not want to get five chapters down the road and realize that you're like, I regret having, having empowered you as a leader. I don't want to get five years into my business and, and have the Lord go, I wish we never started that business. I don't want to get five years down the road and realize I'm like, oh, man, God is like, man, I really wish we would have just stayed pure instead of gone and done these other things. Because what's crazy about the story is this. Saul thinks, he actually tells Samuel this, he says, he says, no, I've actually done it. I saved these things for a sacrifice on the Lord. And Samuel says, man, you missed the point. You think the Lord wants sacrifice, but really what he wanted was your heart. He wanted your obedience. He wanted your trust. He wanted your faith. And instead of giving him that, you chose to honor people. Man, protect the affection of your heart. Protect the affection of your heart. Jesus is saying to you today, I want you to learn to protect the affection of your heart. You know, I was feeling today, even in worship, I was feeling the presence of God so strong in the room. And I was looking around at you people, and I thought, these people are crazy. They love Jesus so radically. People are dancing. People are just going crazy. People are singing crazy. And I'm just like, this is nuts. I'm like, what is this place? And I literally thought, I'm like, gosh, Lord, I want to be doing the same thing, if not more intense, in 40 years. I want to be loving Jesus like this 40 years down the road. I want to be glorifying Jesus like this 50 years down the road. How many of you have seen people who, they're the story that they're like, yeah, they really love Jesus. You grew up with them, and now you look at them, you're like, what happened? You're like, where did they fall off? How many know people like that? You know, we, we're not, I'm not talking about judging them. I'm not talking about coming against them. But I'm saying sometimes I look at people, and I'm like, man, I, I don't even know what happened. But I think the longer that I've been following Jesus, the more I've realized, oh, my gosh, they didn't protect the affection of their heart. And we want to be people who steward his presence. We want to be people who fall in love with Jesus. We live devoted to Jesus forever. We get to eternity and we say the same thing. It's the same thing we were singing tonight. Whoa, whoa. you can have my heart. You can have my heart. You're all I want. Here I am to worship. I'm like, we sing this stuff every single week. And it is so powerful. But I'm like, man, I want to live this the rest of my life. I was born. I was called. I was created to love Jesus. And God forbid I ever make it about anything else. I'm like, God, I, I want to live in such a way that, that my very life gives you glory. 
that everything gives you glory, that I can stand before the Lord, I can stand with the Lord at the end of my life and go, man, the way I live brought you so much joy that he just smiles and he goes, man, well done. You did so good. And you come in for a hug and he embraces you and the Father goes, gosh, you protected your heart. You loved me more than you loved anything. Is that okay? You know, a lot of times I think we talk about revival. You guys love revival? A lot of, time, a lot of times we talk about that. And I think even, this is just me, this is kind of me just sharing a little bit of my own recent history with the Lord. But I've been looking at, at my heart in this kind of last season. This has been maybe over the last year and a half. And I've gone, man, I'm so hungry for a move of the Spirit. It's awesome. I'm so hungry for a move of God. I'm like, I just want Jesus to like kick the devil's door down. I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop praying about it. But there's something I've been realizing recently. And I'm like, man, sometimes my heart has so desired some of those things that like, man, I start to have a picture of revival that doesn't always look connected to his spirit and his presence. And I start to long for almost this ideal of like people getting healed, saved, you know, the hungry coming, people getting baptized every week. And I'm like, I want all of that so bad. How many of you want that? Please don't stop wanting that. I'm like, this is, this is what we want. But I'm like, man, in that place, I believe that we are called to be a people that that flows from our deep intimacy with Jesus. It flows from connection to him. It flows from knowing him so deeply that every day we get up and we're like, wow, it just flows out of our life. But I'm like, man, I do not want to ha- be someone who prays for a move of God, wakes up, and it's happening, but I'm not in it anymore because I lost a love. And I, left, I let the affection of my heart go out for something else that wasn't him. I'm like, man, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. Man, my heart is moved. My heart is moved to keep Jesus the main thing, to keep a pure heart in every season. And, man, I have, I have a couple things I even want to talk about because I love practicals and I want to talk about this. But I want you to look to your neighbor and say, help me. And then look to your other neighbor if you got one and say, and say, you, you probably need this word. This one's probably for you. Say, protect the affection of your heart. <laughs> protect the affection of your heart. I'm going to give you three practical keys that I think this for me is a real rock of who I am just as a, as a Jesus-loving person. And I, this, some of this might feel really simple to you, but I feel like sometimes we could use some simple when it comes to this thing. Because I'm going, man, there's a purity of heart that I want to walk in. There's a, there's a blameness. You know, the Bible actually says this, that, that they would know us by our pure love for each other. That they would actually look at us and be like, wow. And sometimes I look at the church and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if we're getting that kind of being known for our pure love for each other. I don't know if that's happening tonight. I'm like, oof. And I feel like God wants to bring us back there. Okay, so say, say protect affection. Okay, the first, the first way that you're going to protect your affection is to see conviction as your best friend. Somebody say conviction. How many of you know it hurts? How many of you know it's supposed to hurt? <laughs> okay, conviction is a good thing, Amen. Now, I'll tell you this, I got, a, I got kind of a funny story. Um, it's maybe a, mild, a mildly embarrassing story, but I recently, um, I'm a bass player. I, I play bass at the church up in Reading, and it's awesome. It's really not my dream, but I love serving, and it's, it's just fun. I love worshiping Jesus, so I'm like, this is great. 
And I got asked by a friend of mine to come uh, play bass for one of our sets that was getting streamed. And I was like, oh, great, it'll be fun, it'll be a great time. So I jump in, I'm playing bass, and we get there. And I've, I've been a musician a long time. I've been a worship leader for a long time, and I've done a lot of this stuff. So my friend, um, who is kind of a newer worship leader, um, a, newer, a newer musician, um, he come, he's coming in hot. He came in, like, telling everybody exactly the way he wanted it. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is a bad plan. Like, we got to not do whatever you're doing right now. But I'm just trying to, like, be like, no, it's okay. Let's do it. And, and um, it's kind of funny because everybody else on the team I've, like, played with a bunch. And he's kind of like the newbie on the block. And we're all like, yeah, let's do it. It's going to be awesome. And I'll tell you this. This was not, uh, for a minute there, it was not a great highlight for me of, of – of me protecting my affection or protecting my heart. So I'm in the moment, and there was multiple moments where he said something to me, and I was just like, ooh, that stings. You ever had a moment when somebody kind of says something, and you're like, that did not rub me the right way. That just kind of felt a little bit weird. And I'm there, supposed to be worshiping Jesus, and my heart is like, oh, Jesus. I do not want to hold anything against you. And I spend the whole worship set doing this. I'm playing bass in the background, and I spend the whole worship set. I'm not joking. It's like two hours. And the whole time, it was kind of in and out, but for the most of it, I'm like, it's two hours of me going, Jesus, I will not be offended, and I will not partner with judgment. And I refuse to hold anything against him. I refuse to hold anything against him. And it's for me, it's this constant battle. i got to be honest. I left that day, and I was like, oh, Man, I just, I'm so bummed that my heart even responded that way. It became this like whole two-day journey for me of like me trying to get to a place of like, I'm going to stay clean. But I'll tell you what I did work really hard at, and I felt like I was really successful here, is I thought I never for one moment was able to hold offense against him and feel good about it. For me, for every, for every moment, I was like, I don't feel great. I feel like judging you. I feel like telling you you don't know what you're talking about. I feel like telling you like, that's it. But I go, man, this was about Jesus. I came here to serve you. I will not do that against you. And for me, it was two days later, and him and I were completely connected. This happened maybe just three weeks ago. We were completely connected. He had a hard problem. A couple of days, something happened with a relationship in his life. It was a super rough moment for him. And I was able to love him and be there for him. And that moment, I guarantee you, wouldn't have happened if I had held something against him. I guarantee I wouldn't have been able to be the love that he needed in that moment if I had partnered with that. And when it comes to protecting the affection of our heart and life, something that we need to get really good at doing is seeing conviction as our best friend. And we, I think a lot of times in church, we, we get really used to um, complaining about people. And we almost have a, li- a low level of acceptance for judgment. We're like, oh, we validate things like that. Like people say something against you and you, have, you feel like you have a right to be angry. You feel like you're like, oh, man, I can't believe they did this. And you talk to somebody else and they're like, yeah, I can't believe they did that to you. And instead of us actually turning and, and showing love to them, we've actually moved to a place where we found a reason to hold something against people. And I, I want to tell you this, that is never Jesus. It's just not him. It's not in the heart of God. And sometimes we say things or we think things and we're actually okay with saying them and thinking them, even though kind of deep down we know that Jesus wouldn't say that and he wouldn't think that. And I want to tell you that if we're going to protect our affection, if we're going to make it in 40 years still be loving Jesus with a pure fire, if we're going to do that, we need to be people who, pure, who keep our heart pure and are not okay with those things getting off in us and actually staying that way. Now, how many of you know those things happen? You know, Jesus said... 
You know, it's impossible for, for you to never get offended, but woe to, who, woe to he who takes offense. And I'm like, man, how many of you have been offended even recently or maybe had a moment they're like, oh, that, that did not feel great. I did not know what to do. Oh, nobody raised their hand. I, you bunt. Liars. Now I'm offended. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I'm telling you, I'm like, man, that is such a real common thing for us. And I want to tell you, look to conviction. Look for the sting and be okay with it. Look to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Look to the voice of leaders and say, man, I feel like I don't know what the truth is about this situation, but I know that whatever I'm thinking right now isn't it. Will you tell me the truth so that I can partner with it? Because I need to believe that because I don't have any right to stay in that place. Amen? See conviction as your best friend. Somebody say, protect your affection. Somebody say the word. You know, Psalm 119, 11 says, your, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let me put that down for you. The psalmist is saying, your word, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meditate on it. I'm going to live in it. So when it comes to the moment of truth to really show what's who I am and what I think and what I'm, what I'm going to make a decision on. When it comes to that moment, I have the chance of honoring your heart instead of not. I have taken your word. I have meditated in the word, in the Bible. I have actually taken it so deep into me. So when it comes to the moment of truth, in that moment I go, man, I have an opportunity here. I have a chance that I wouldn't have had. If I didn't have your word deep in me, I wouldn't have made this moment possible. But now I'm actually able to love in this moment. Or actually now I'm able to see this moment clearly how Jesus sees it. Or now I'm actually able to be who I'm called to be. I'm actually able to not sin. I'm actually able to walk out purity because your word is hidden in my heart. And Hebrews says this. I'm gonna, i got to turn there. I don't have this written now. Hebrews 4.12 if you're taking notes. Are you guys doing okay? That's good. Where's Hebrews? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Old Testament. Here we are. Thanks for your patience. Hebrews 4.12, it says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is so powerful to keep your heart clean. In fact, I would actually be so bold to say that you cannot live a pure heart without having the word of God. Psalms also says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. By living according to your word. And if we don't live deep in the word, we're never going to make it. We won't actually make the distance. And I feel like God wants to raise us up. You know, I would say a lot of people in this, even in our generation, have, have come to take the word like this. And it's not a bad thing. I think it was a really good heart. But I think sometimes our Bible studies came so much about, hey, what do you think this means? What does this mean to you instead of what does it mean? Does that make sense? A lot of times our Bible study groups are like, hey, what do you think it means? Hey, what do you think it means? And I think it's great when people share different thoughts about it. But I think we need to search the Bible not for what we think it means, but what God thinks it means. And what God intended when he wrote it. And what God wanted to say to us. And we actually read the word and let the word read us and let it cut us deep. We fall in love with the sword of conviction that purifies and cleans us. Man, Jesus loves purity. Man he, loves, man, he loves that pure heart. And I, I've, I've come to be aware of this, that if I live in a pure heart, everything I do will give him glory. 
if I come to live in a pure heart, if I actually walk out what it means to live pure before Jesus, then every action I make is giving God glory. And I want to give God the most glory I can possible. Because I'll tell you what doesn't give God glory. Seeing miracles, signs, and wonders when something in my heart is actually off towards people around me. God is grateful and he will use anyone available, but God wants to use people with a pure heart who have laid, them, laid their life down for him. That's what we call lovers. And that is who you guys are. That is who we are as, as, a, as a bride. We are lovers. We are not workers. We are not, we are not people that think uh, that all of it depends on us. We are people that are dependent upon Jesus. And for us to continue to live that out, we need to walk with a pure heart. Somebody say protect the affection of your heart. Somebody say the presence of God. Presence church. I've got, I've got, I've got a good word for you here. You guys are going to like this. I want you to turn here to, just because I want you to read a piece of the story. It's 1 Samuel 5. I don't know if you can tell. I've been reading Samuel a lot lately. All right, 1 Samuel 5, verse 1. We're just going to read a few verses. I'm about to wrap it up, and then we're going to end. And we're going to do, do some fun stuff today. But I want you to read this. 1 Samuel 5, verse 1. It says, when the Philistines captured the ark... They brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it up beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward at the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and they put him back in his place. And when they rose early on the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord and the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left him. And this is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon to this day. Let me tell you what happened in this story. So the ark of God, the ark of the testimony, this is what holds the presence of God. And the presence of God gets taken by the enemy camp. And they're like, they don't, I don't even think they knew what they had. They don't even know what's going on. But all they know is they set the ark of the covenant down. And the presence of God is there. And while they're young, the statue of the idol falls over. And they wake up the next day, what happened? What, what happened here? The idol fell over. So they stand it back up. And the next day it falls over. But this time God cut its head off and its hands off. <laughs> and I think God is having a fun time. But that is what the presence of God is like in our life. And for us, we are the new ark. We are the carriers of the presence of God. And everywhere we go, God actually defeats idols. And this is actually the way that God wants to bring his kingdom through the earth is by everywhere we go as the new ark, that we, we walk with that pure heart. And the Lord goes, everywhere you go, I will actually knock the idols over without you even looking. And you'll just show up and you'll, and you'll be there. And you'll be like, I, don't, I didn't even do anything. I was just loving Jesus. I was just living for God and in my faithfulness. And while you're not looking, he's knocking over idols behind you. And you showing up to your workplace and you're like, people who used to love uh, satanic stuff, people who were like really new agey, people who are, are doing these things, you're going to realize that their eyes start opening up the gospel just because you're there. Because you're the new ark. And every single place that you go, the presence of God follows and he is happy about it. Jesus is happy that everywhere you get to go, 
that he gets to defeat the enemy. And I, I, I just want to see us as a generation and as a people, as a church, as a community, be people that, that carry that same presence of God and everywhere we go. And the way that we actually protect our hearts is by partnering with that same presence. When we partner with the presence of God, it's the same thing that crushes the idols outside of us and the same thing that crushes the idols inside of us. It's actually that which purifies our heart. When I connect with Jesus, when I spend time with him in the morning, when I wake up and I'm just loving on him, just like all of, all of us do, when I wake up and I'm spending time with God, what I don't realize is happening is as his presence, I'm just feeling, I'm just delighting in Jesus just like we did in worship. But the whole time that's happening, everything that was, that was disaligned, everything that was out of whack in my heart begins to align. And all the, all, all the things that were... That were Dirty, all the things that, it, that, that I've been partnering with, even the thoughts that I'm like, oh, that just weren't his thoughts, they literally just start disappearing one by one. And, every, and, and you're like, wow, I feel so amazing every time I leave the presence of God. I'm like, I know, he literally knocks the idols down when we just spend time with him. He literally is just like, yeah, I'm going to kick that sucker down right now just as you're loving on me. And it is, it is the most beautiful exchange. And I, I want to say this too because I feel like a lot of us in our walks with God we're able to value so many different things, and we value, we value ministry. We, I mean, you hear, sometimes you, you can hear so many different messages. You're like, oh, I, can, I, need to, I need to be preaching more. I need to be, like, evangelizing more. I need to be, like, uh, read, Solomon said I got to read the word more. And there, it becomes all these things. But I want to tell you that this is a relational walk. It is a relational dance. It is the presence of God, you and him spending time together. And as you do that, the grace of God flows through you. The grace of God comes in the connection. As you're spending time with him, that same grace comes that purifies your heart. And then your heart, you wake up, you live your life, and you're like, gosh, I just start tripping into the things of God because of what he's doing in me. And you were, you were created to be a person of his presence. You were made to be a person that knows him so deeply that you walk with such a radical heart. And I want to tell you that today, God is actually realigning you with his presence. And I feel like people are going to leave this service and you're going to go spend time with God. And you're going to realize, man, I can feel the exchange happening. You're going to have a greater level of understanding there. And some of you are like, wow, i actually never seen it like that. I've never spent time with God in a way that I realize he's purifying me just as I sing to him. He's actually cleaning me inside and out just as I sing to him. And can you just stand real quick? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pray something over you real quick, and then we're going to do some ministry and stuff. And then, Jesse, if you want to say anything, you could you, you say anything. But, um, gosh, I love you guys. You guys are good people. You love Jesus, don't you? Can you just put a hand on your neighbor? Put a hand on somebody next to you. And I just want us to take a second as I, as I pray over you, but I, I just believe that God is going to reset people with a pure heart. You know, this is what we were singing. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. I'm just praying that God would do that, do that in us today. And for I need it, you need it. And I, honestly, you might have come today and this may not have been the word that you wanted to hear. Sorry, it was the only thing that was on my heart. It's the only thing I know I wanted to talk about, so here I am. <laughs> but I, I just believe that God wants us to be a pure generation that give him glory just because we're pure. 
that give him glory just because we've protected the affection in our own heart to say, Jesus, you are the one thing for me. You are the only thing that I put my affection towards. I have a lot of passions. I have a lot of dreams. But God, all of them fall short to your presence, to knowing you, to being with you. So Jesus, right now I pray for every person in this room. God, I pray for the presence of God to be released in them. God, I pray for their intimacy with you to go so much deeper. And God, I pray, would you do, this is a scary prayer, but God, I, I pray, would you do this wild thing of cleaning our hearts out? Would you purify us, God? God, would you speak to us even right now? There's people that, that we need to forgive. There's people that we, need to, that we need to repent. There's things that we need to lay down in our life, God. And I ask that you would bring purity to our hearts. I ask that you would bring restoration to our hearts. But I ask right now, would you realign us to your spirit? Would you realign us to what you have to say, to what you have to do? Yeah, Holy Spirit, come, would you purify our hearts afresh? In Jesus' name, amen.